0: Alright, what's going on everybody? This is your boy Nathan Crankfield. Uh, welcome to the Seeking Excellence podcast. This episode is being recorded the day before it's going to be released. And that is because this has been one heck of a week for current events for the United States of America, for our church, and for the uh, pro-life movement. And so I wanted to jump on and share some thoughts, share some things that I thought might be useful. You know, I think we're all going to see a lot of different arguments, a lot of different things on social media in personal conversations with people, and um, yeah, I just want to clarify, you know, some things that I think are really important, uh, some guidelines as you go into these conversations, uh, and just ways that, um, you know, we can hope hopefully fight for good and, and positive things that we can do in this time to give some clarity and context if you haven't really been following along about what's actually happening. Um, and, and so, obviously, note that a lot of this will be my opinion, my interpretation of things. Um, while some will be actual church teaching uh, and things like that, right? So um, one, one thing that I think is really important to, to start with is <clears throat> just kind of an overview. So, so Roe v. Wade, you know, we had a leaked document uh, from the Supreme Court, a draft of the overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade, um, a Supreme Court decision made back in 1973 that basically federalized uh, abortion, um, you know, made it basically a federal law, Um, I think abortion had to be basically allowed in some capacity in every state Uh, and greatly it it restricted, at least um, in some ways, from my understanding, the state's ability to limit restriction in their own state, which if you understand like federalism and the way that the United States of America is set up, we're actually not supposed to be this top down government system that we've actually evolved into where the president is like the king and, and the states have you know, little responsibility and, and, and little freedom. Now, obviously, individual states and local governments can still do a lot, but they are more restricted, I think, than what the founding fathers originally projected. So what's currently happening with the two things that happened with the leak, right? Um, one is that we had a leak Supreme Court document, which is horrific, right? I think it's, it's not mind-blowing to me because I don't really have any expectations from many of our political leaders but the fact that so many Democrats who will literally talk about January 6th, the riots at the Capitol on January 6th, for the next 10 to 50 years, have no, nothing negative to say about the fact that there's been this massive undermining of the court of the land. You know, the Supreme Court is supposed to be apolitical. They're supposed to interpret the Constitution. Obviously, you know, with the appointees and appointing of Supreme Court justice and how that's evolved. That is no longer the case. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, they've become activists for a, a lot of, you know, a lot of the appointees have become activists. You see that in, in um, you know, the most recent uh, nominee, uh, Miss Jackson being you know, on the stand saying, I don't know what a woman is. I'm not a biologist, like stupid shit like that. That just makes utterly no sense. Um, but it fits with the progressive agenda. Right. So you have that. And, and that's dangerous, obviously, because what they're supposed to do is interpret the Constitution. Um, and see how current circumstances, situations, and cases, you know, line up with the Constitution or not. And so the, the leak document is obviously a huge trage- tra- tra- tragedy and travesty um, and really sad to see. And I think no matter which side of the political aisle you're on, even if it was a leaked document that was in the opposite direction, upholding Roe versus Wade, we'd still be really upset about that. The fact that that happened is not a good thing. I don't think that if it had happened in that direction that it would have been leaked, but you know, the world may never know. The other thing with it is that an overturning of Roe v. Wade would not be a national outlaw of abortion, which is what's needed, but it would not even be close to that, right? It would be um, putting it down to the state level. So basically every state would then have to vote for that. Your representatives and senators become more important, but also your state senators and state representatives become more important in that. Um, And it kind of localizes it. So you can have pro-life states and pro-choice states. California will continue to be a uh, wonderland of abortion um, and continue to push the envelope on that as, as they have committed to but states like Texas and Alabama, Mississippi, um, you know the Carolinas, potentially Georgia, Florida maybe would, would increase their restrictions on abortion um, and that would be to the delight of many people And so I think that's important to note as well. So so that to me knowing that, obviously not a lot of people know that because, Your dumbass politicians are not going to tell people that I shouldn't even say dumbass because it's actually a smart move. It's more evil that they're not going to tell people that um, because they want to manipulate you. You can see this a lot if you read any or listen to any of um, uh, Elizabeth Warren or uh, Nancy Pelosi or Kamala Harris speak in the last few days where they just use this extreme rhetoric. They, They hate women. They want to destroy women. They want to punish women. They want to kill women like violent dramatic stuff. Right. When in reality, uh, what we've seen with abortion restrictions like this is a decrease of anywhere from 10 to 20, maybe 30 percent in abortions, right? Um, So it would just be decreasing abortion. So what I think is really important and what you can see there in this backlash is what is it that Democrats want? And this, I believe, is what Democrats want summed up perfectly. They want taxpayer funded abortion in all circumstances for all nine months everywhere at all times. I'm going to say that again taxpayer funded abortion throughout the entire pregnancy available at all times for free everywhere. And they're not going to have that if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Now you might think to yourself, wow, that's an extreme position to hold. And you'd be right. You'd be very right. Um, The idea to a lot of them that abortion be restricted to 15 weeks um, seems absolutely ridiculous. And to most common sense people, it's not right. 15 weeks, 12 weeks, 18 weeks, whatever, um, that it might not be taxpayer funded, right? That we might not all have to support the murder of babies in the womb is is unthinkable to them. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, so that's kind of what the ruling would do. And that's what I think that Democrats really want. Now, I want to share uh, something else that uh, you know kind of goes along with monday's podcast if you haven't listened to that my what went wrong with vatican two or in defense of uh pope francis i'd highly encourage you to do so and this this i think is is really at the heart of a lot of the debate uh among catholics as this stuff is kind of going on right is you know i'm also reading this book called liberalism is a sin which is very strong in its language watch a lot of uh Matt Frad recently, Father Mike, you know, just, just doing a lot of reading and reflecting, talking with people like um, Emily, obviously, priest friends of mine, uh, theologian friends of mine, you know, got to spend some great time at the Swaffords this past weekend. Um, went a Benedictine and asked Andrew Swafford, you know, who's a Dr. Andrew Swofford, um, very theologically <laughs> sound uh, questions about some of this stuff. Um, so, but none of these. I'm not going to say, I'm not speaking for any of those people. I'm just saying that I've been really thinking about and praying about this. And, you know, one one of the discussions that I was in with somebody about this topic, they said, you know, basically in in the effort to protect people's feelings, right? Because so many Catholics are pro-choice because they've been sold a lie that um, abortion is key to the success of women, right? To women's rights, to women's independence, to women's equality. But the bigger lie (laughs) <laughs> there's several bigger lies that have been sold. One is that everybody goes to heaven. Two is that you can be a Catholic and disagree ardently with church teaching. Um, three is that the only way to sin or that sin, doesn't exist and the devil doesn't exist. Right. Cause th- th- these three things often will go together because if you believe that everybody goes to heaven, right. Hell basically isn't really real. Um, then there's no need to submit yourself to church teaching. Why would you? It's just simply unpleasant, right? It's just an inconvenience at that point. Um, further, if you think that both of those things, if you if you don't feel the need to submit yourself to church teaching, you feel like everybody goes to heaven, there's no re- need to really believe in sin. And that's what I think we've really lost as a society, as a church, as a, especially the lay faithful, um, while being led by some very rogue priests and theologians over the last 75 years or so. And it's really, really sad to see because it's it's just it's just like basic, it's like the most basic math, right? That if you say you are a Catholic, right? We talk about this when you confess the creed, when you get married in a church, as I recently did, um, you commit to raising your children Catholic in accordance with Catholic teaching. When you get your child baptized, you make the same promise again in front of God and man. When you receive the Eucharist at mass on Sundays, you go up and you say the you know, the priest or whoever the um, minister of Holy Communion will say to you, uh, you know, the body of Christ. And you say, amen, or I believe, you know, and you're accepting communion with Christ, with the body of Christ. That is the church. You're accepting all the teachings of the church. This is the main argument, the most beautiful argument as to why we don't allow protestants to receive communion because you're not in full communion with the church and you're not supposed to receive communion if you're not in full communion with the church this is the great debate always and tim staples had some great things to say about this as well about president Biden receiving communion and and saint paul talks about this he doesn't necessarily necessarily say saint paul doesn't necessarily say that we're supposed to be like communion police but rather that we're supposed to police ourselves in a certain sense we're supposed to judge ourselves and present ourselves to the Holy Communion when we are um, disposed to do so, right? When we are in a state of grace, when we know that we have accepted church teaching. So check this out. So this is from 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, so this is what St. Paul says. He says in verse 27, "Therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread. And drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number are asleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So I think, you know it's really important for us to recognize that, that you, like, I I hear people all the time. They'll be like, well, well, there's a lot of people who are pro-choice and consider themselves Catholics. Well, they're, they're wrong. They're actively wrong. And to not tell them that is not loving. It's not compassionate. It's not gentle. It's not Christ-like. Right. I, you know, I was up all throughout the night last night thinking about this and I'm like, just drawing connections between different passages of the gospels. Right. Jesus says, let the little ones come to me. Right. Like Jesus says, whoever, leads one of these little children astray, it'd be better for him that he'd not be born or that a millstone be tied around his neck, he'd be tossed into the sea. Right. At the same time, when one of you know the the moment when he's foretelling the uh the passion, Saint Peter says, you know, you know, Lord, we're not gonna let that happen. And and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. There's other times where he calls the um uh you know the Pharisees a brood of vipers and hypocrites and all these terrible things, flipping the tables you know, and whipping the, the money changers at the outside the temple who are making a disgrace of God's uh, God's house. And and yet we think that these ca- like Catholics, people who go around telling the world that they're Catholic and boasting about their abortions or supporting others in their abortions, which remember that there are multiple ways to partake in mortal sin. It is not just committing a sin yourself. It is not just going and having an abortion for yourself. It's not just going and committing adultery yourself. If I were to you know support a friend of mine who's married and facilitate him meeting up with uh, with his you know adulterous lover um his mistress that would that would, I would be guilty of the same sin for supporting it for condoning it if you approve of it if you celebrate sin that is committing the same sin if you justify it for other people that is committing the same sin and so these people are in, in an incredibly dangerous position this is why we have to constantly pray for Joe Biden, for all our political leaders who identify themselves as Catholic, claim to be Catholic, and then go and do these things and say this blasphemous stuff. Like you heard Joe Biden say on Tuesday about all major religions don't really know when life begins. That's, a bl- that's absolute blasphemy as a Catholic man to say we don't know when life begins. He denies the truth and teachings of the church publicly on a regular basis. It's the most dangerous place in the world to be. And I think we need to really focus our efforts in praying for him, not worried as much about denying him communion. We know and we need to educate and catechize the others on uh, recognizing that that's a very, very dangerous thing to do based on, you know, this passage of um, scripture that I just read to you from 1 Corinthians 11 and also just general church, church teaching on the, on the subject. Um, the other thing I think with that, too with this emotional appeal, right. To, to not be so, not be so crass, not be so judgmental, not be so aggressive in our messaging. Um, And I do think there's ways where we can tone down our messaging at certain times. And I might have time. We'll see if I have time at the end to address that. But the pro-choice message is, you know, I I had a friend of mine who told me that she had several friends of hers who are in an atheist for life group, right? Like they're atheists who are pro-life a woman got punched in the face yesterday outside the Capitol um, or outside the Supreme court while pro- peacefully protesting, right. Just like carrying a sign and, um, and protesting or, or, you know, supporting, I guess, the Supreme court decision. And the, the, the pro-choice message is, is radically and aggressively forced upon everyone. You can see abortions happening on TV. You see it screamed out at concerts, like you see with crazy ass Billy Eilish, um, you see, um, you know, sports, you see it in all of Hollywood, music, um, the media, like most politicians are extreme pro-choicers. People don't get to hear the pro-life side. And so for us to hide this and act like we're doing anybody justice or a favor by acting like Catholics aren't pro-life or that we shouldn't be radically pro-life, I think is a, a grave mistake on our end. Um, And just leads us to being incredibly bad stewards of the faith uh, and of our responsibility that God has and influence that God has entrusted to us. And so I think you have to keep that in mind, right? Like we have we have a responsibility and obligation to do this. Now the other thing I think is really interesting with the uh, emotional appeal is I often will make a, a lot of analogies to American slavery and abortion. You could also kind of throw the civil rights movement in there as well. But both I think. Uh, slavery and abortion in their respective times, slavery in the US, slavery still exists around the world. And I think you could argue that it's up there with one of the gravest evils that currently happens. Um, you know, especially when you're talking about sexual slavery, I can't imagine uh, something much worse than that. I think that only potentially abortion could could qualify as worse than that. Um, and that's just kind of me just just thinking out loud there. But the 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 thing with slavery, I always take the same arguments that people will give you for not posting about being pro-life, for not arguing the pro-life position, for not whatever it might be and apply it to slavery. Because one thing this this really like kept me up last night because I, I hear this justification for people who are goodwilled pro-choice Catholics who have been sold these lies. Dude, who gives a shit? Listen to me. When I was in grade school, I will never forget hearing friends of mine talk about how their grandparents or great uncles or whatever were racist and defending them by saying well they were just raised in a different time right most of us who were common sense at that time were like yeah i mean that makes sense for like a time but how are you like i could see if you were in the 60s or 50s and you were raised in the american south and your whole family was racist and you're 11 years old and you say some racist shit like Okay, you know what I mean? And you repent of it later in life or you're 18 or even 25 and you've been groomed to be utterly racist and disgusting in that way. Like, that's okay when you're young. You're telling me you're 65, 70 years old in 2005, 2010, and you're still racist and you're blaming your upbringing from 60 years ago? No. No, that doesn't work. And, and not even just that, but even if people will think about this, the same people who will defend the pro-choice crowd are typically the ones who will uh, you know, condemn and want to cancel people of the past. Abraham Lincoln wasn't progressive enough, right? So we need to like take him down and cancel him. Christopher Columbus wasn't progressive enough. Um, you know, these these people who have done incredible things to set us up for this unbelievable success that we have now. Um, you know, it's like it's like we we now, We'll take the people who are in the same boat now, right? The same, like imagine going back to to pro-slavery times and being like, well, we shouldn't be so aggressive with our anti-slavery, you know, uh, rhetoric because we could hurt people's feelings and people really feel attached to being slave owners and they feel like we're attacking them as individuals and saying that, you know, you're wrong and you're a bad person if you own slaves. Like, dude, that's exactly how we look at it now. We just have more time. But now that it's your friends or your cousin or whatever, you know what I mean? Your ex-girlfriend or your wife or your husband or whatever, who's the pro-choice one or the person who might've had abortion, then we're like, oh no, but they just, you know, they're just misinformed and they just don't know. We have to be gentle. And I'm like, dude, I'm not saying that we should go out and be violent by any means. I'm not saying that we should go out and tell everyone who had an abortion or, or stand outside an abortion clinic and scream and condemn them. That's not what I'm saying. But to say that we can't even post and support pro life things, to say that we can't even celebrate when there's going to be, we're we're celebrating like we won the Super Bowl, and it's just a fifteen percent projected decrease in abortions after this gets overturned. Like, like think about that. This isn't even this isn't even the actual win, and still you have Catholics out there who won't allow you to actually celebrate, or they refuse to celebrate themselves. So I'm gonna read a specific uh, a, a specific. Uh, story that I screenshot yesterday that really pissed me off because it's these freaking woke progressive anti-Catholic people who claim to be Catholic that I I legitimately think do the most damage in the church. And that's true. I think whether they're trads or whether they're liberals and they try to come in and they deny papal teaching, they deny the Pope, they deny church authority and they act like they're Catholic. And they have these massive followings of thousands of thousands of people on Instagram and Twitter, and they spew this nonsense ridiculous bullshit and people believe it and so listen to this this person and i've disagreed with this person countless times um and i'm not going to say who it is because i don't think that that's good in this circumstance but i just need you to hear that this this nonsense this person said on their story i don't have the brain power or to to be angry or rant all i want to do whatever is just relax then then she says and it is a woman so i'm i'm going to use that pronoun to I'm not going to just keep saying this person. So she says this. But the thing that I believe 100 percent is that no matter what side of the abortion debate you're on until the, quote, choice, end quote, is even equitable. It isn't a choice. There goes that equity bullshit that you hear on Kamala Harris commercials. As long going back to what she said, as long as women of color, capital C color, are making that choice because they lack resources due to this country's white supremacy, also capitalized and colonialism and trauma inflicted on people for generations it isn't a choice at all and until it is until i see people fight as hard to give up space power and privilege to women capital w of color capital c as they fight for us to be able to abort our children i won't even fight about the legality of it and also can y'all stop saying this has never happened before slavery was overturned by scoas after it has been the law of the land for a long time this is how it works also, this won't end abortion, but we'll only end up causing more of them. False. Fact check, false. <laughs> that's a dumbass statement. It's, it's incorrect. In the end, both sides lose. No, they don't. You know who wins? The babies. And the people who lose is the greatest. The greatest are women of color living in poverty. Neither side of this debate does anything to solve inequity these women face in their daily lives. I even had somebody else who I, that's, a, that's the end of the comments. So I even had somebody else who I like pretty strongly disagree, not strongly disagree, but we disagree from time to time on Instagram. And we still have like developed a pretty friendly relationship. Reach out to me and she's like, dude, if you wouldn't be really dejected, you should go and read some of these Catholic female influencers who were saying that until, you know, racism, immigration, like a death penalty, all this stuff is gone. Uh, abortion should be legal. What the fuck? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Do you know how... Like, you literally have to not have any formation or understanding about what abortion is to hold this poor of a position, to hold this irrational of a position. Guys, listen to me. The choice is even equitable. There is a baby, a human life that dies every time there is an abortion. It isn't a choice. Yes, it absolutely is. You get to choose. This is this is the thing that is the most uh, frustrating to me. I rant about it all the time in personal conversations and on here about the worst thing for me about these race baiters who make their their money and their livings, like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson um, of the world who tell you that black people, every, every, every inequity, every pain, every issue that befalls black men, black women, um, and, and sometimes they'll extend it into other races, but usually it's just for black people, is never any fault of our own. If you ask this person, what percentage of racial inequities are the, the cause of choice they would tell you zero percent. That is the stupidest shit in the world. Listen to me. That is one of the dumbest positions. One of the dumbest positions you can possibly hold is to believe that in the United States of America, in the 20, 22 years into the 21st century, that if you grow up and you live your entire life in poverty, that it is entirely due to racial injustice and white supremacy. This boogeyman of white supremacy. Acting like we are are victims of colonialism, black people are victims of colonialism. Why, because black slaves in Africa were sold by black owners to white owners. That makes us victims of colonialism. What the fuck, what are you talking about? This is the stupidest shit in the world. You're making that choice because they lack resources due to this country's white supremacy? What? Do you know how many people like and that's the thing is like you suggest to these people. All right. Well, then, is your suggestion that people only under a certain income bracket should be able to have abortions? No, of course not. Right. Or they'll bring up the emotional appeal of of cases of rape. And it's like, all right, will you agree that we should eliminate abortions outside of cases of incest or rape? No, of course not. So why are you bringing it up? Because your real position is just that you're pro-choice and that you think that women's the, has, quote, rights, which is unreal to consider abortion, killing a human child, a human right. That makes absolutely no sense. There's nothing about if you understand and have any logical definition of the term human rights that would encapsulate abortion, just like there's nothing in the Constitution of the United States of America that protects and defends somebody's quote unquote right to kill their child in the womb or outside the womb for that matter. It isn't a choice. And until people fight, as hard to give up space, power and privilege. So until other people are willing to change some of their flaws, you're not going to fight for the the right to life for the most innocent and vulnerable human beings that's what this person is saying until I see people fight quote until I see people fight as hard to give up space power and privilege to women of color as they fight for us to be able to abort our children, I won't even fight about the legality for it. Now this is a person who's living in a country right now that just nominated a, a black female Supreme Court justice, who, by the way, is not the first black Supreme Court justice, who, by the way, is not the first female Supreme Court justice. Also, living in a country where there is a Black female vice president of the United States of America, where there is a female speaker of the House, where there are a plethora of Black females in positions of power throughout the country, both in business, politics, in culture, you name it. And somehow we have to fight. All, all the while, mind you, uh, With those stats that I just gave you, Black women make up roughly 6.5% of the nation's population. That's 50% of the black population at about 13% nationwide, six and a half percent. And they're both, they hold both the the vice president seat and are about to hold a Supreme Court justice seat. Talk to me. How can you make sense of any of this stuff, guys? I'm telling you, go back in time and imagine yourself saying these same things. You can imagine the bigots the cowards who would make these same arguments as to why I'm not even going to fight against slavery. I'm not going to join in on the civil war. I'm not going to support the union because this state rights and this other shit's unfair and it's going to ruin the economy. And what are all these people going to do with their families and how are they going to support themselves and how are we going to adjust from this? And black people are inferior to us. So why would we even eliminate slavery? All these other issues that they brought up to uphold a system that was the most egregious, and human rights violating system of the time. And abortion is that today. We have lost millions and millions of lives, many of whom are black lives. There are places in the country where a black child is more likely to be aborted than born. And this is the type of person who never wants to address the cultural issues that need to shift to tell black women and black men, hey, if you get married before you have kids, if you finish high school, you know, you, you actually greatly eliminate your likelihood of, of, of not living in poverty. But no, these are the people who don't do that. And they don't encourage other people to do that. And then they get mad and they make poor life decisions. And sometimes life gets thrust upon them in different ways. And then they want to tell everybody else that everybody else is just victims and white supremacy and colonialism and trauma and all this other stuff. And it's like, dude, babies are literally getting killed in the womb. Watch a video of a child being having its limbs ripped apart in the womb. You can see the pain that it can experience and feel watch the movie unplanned and you will see the, just the, the horrific nature and reality of abortion. It's unreal. My friends, I'm telling you, we need to pray. We need to pray fervently. We need to pray hard. Um, And we need to make sure that we're upholding the truth and church. You don't, you don't get to be pro choice and catholic it's just it's a, it's an oxymoron it's not even something that i'm telling you out of personal preference i'm telling you that logically it's it's a fallacy it just doesn't make any sense you just you simply you simply cannot do it you know that's what they always say it's like being a a pro a pro beef vegan it just doesn't make any sense you just can't do it because it's intrinsically against what the, the second, your, your descriptor is against what the, the actual thing you're claiming to be stands for. Human dignity. Every every pope. Like, this is not even, this isn't even something you can point at. And I know Pope Francis gets painted in a terrible light when it comes to LGBT issues, I think, and it gets misquoted and misinterpreted often. But you can't even point to anything in church teaching that's like, that's wavered on this. If there's anything that we are absolutely rock solid on, you've heard the church get kind of soft. Certain people have been soft on divorce at times, on LGBT stuff at times, at least, you know, bishops and things like that. Only absolute dissenters from Catholic teaching, only people who are willing to commit apostasy reject the church's teaching on abortion and do not hold an ardently pro-life position. This does not mean that you need to post pro-life stuff all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It does not mean that. But you have to in order to be a faithful Catholic in good standing with the, with the, ch- the church, that is the body of Christ herself, that is Christ her- himself, you have to hold a fully wholehearted, no reservations, pro-life position. It's your only option. If you don't want to do that, you can go choose to go to some Protestant church that you know chooses you know on which day they vote on whatever they want to have on certain stances. You can go do that. You're free to go do that. God allows you the freedom to go do that. But you put yourself and your soul in grave danger when you claim to be Catholic, to hold these Catholic positions, and then tell people stupid things like this, that they shouldn't fight to be pro-life until there's full, until we're living in a socialist, communist dictatorship, essentially. Until the white supremacy has been, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Makes absolutely no sense. You also hear the same things brought up. I I, I did a whole podcast on this once of, of the death penalty, and 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 guys, I'm telling you, don't let people discourage you by telling you stupid shit like you're not pro life until you're anti death penalty, to your pro life the whole life, and you have to be pro immigration and all these other things, guys. The church teaches, from my understanding, from my understanding, this is this is not um i don't have the catechism in front of me from my understanding things like environmentalism uh things like immigration the the church has a position that teaches that kind of kind of forms us right it kind of guides us versus being black and white like abortion is and what i mean by that is environmentalism like we should strive to take care of the planet right um we should strive to Uh, preserve water, to preserve energy. Like That's what Pope Francis' teaching on it has been. And I do believe that we all can agree that we should be stewards of the earth as God gave it to us. We shouldn't value it more than human life, but we are to uh, respect and preserve the earth and to do what we can do to to, um, promote the health of the planet, right? Similarly, immigration. The church doesn't have a hard teaching that you have to vote for and support and have open borders, right? That is not it. But we are supposed to love the stranger. We're supposed to welcome refugees. We're supposed to um, help those who are most desperate, who are most in need. And we should strive to formulate policies that do that. That does not equate to having open borders that just, th- this, is, this is where you get into this unrealistic bullshit that the left will constantly push. And you see it infiltrated into the church. in the concept of of open borders i'm like these people who advocate for that do you leave your door unlocked at night because there's homeless people out there and why not just let them wander in there's lots of great homeless people it's bad and negative to paint and i've worked with the homeless before in my life it's bad and negative and many people who've worked with the homeless will tell you this it's horrible how often they all get painted as drug addicts as terrible people as you know child abusers whatever it might be right as like um uh aggressive or predators right so why not just leave your door unlocked at night and just let anybody who wants to come in come in open your house to the homeless you have kids so what let them in i maintain that you know this open this immigration open to all policy is is truly i think it oftentimes a a position of white privilege if there is one right like and i mean that by like white liberals who advocate for this because they're often upper middle class liberals who have argued with me about it, at least upper middle class liberals whose kids aren't going to be affected by the schools being brought down by having, you know, 30 new kids in, in, in sixth grade who don't speak any English. They're not going to be the ones like black black communities easily are impacted the most by jobs being taken by illegal immigration that uh, illegal immigrants who work under the table um, for cash instead of actually having, uh, you know, legitimate jobs. Black communities are hit the most with that. Your your tech entrepreneur or your tech person that works in in the, the Bay Area is not being impacted by that. They don't give a shit. And so they're just like, well, we have to have open borders. This is what we believe. Dude, you're not impacted by any of this. The increase in crime, you're not impacted by it. It's the people in the inner cities, namely black communities that are impacted by this. Black people are hurt the worst. There's plenty of studies and stats that show that black people are hurt the worst by illegal immigration. And people will take that and conflate that to be the exact same as, well, if you're not pro-immigration and open borders and you're not actually pro-life, that is stupid. That has nothing to do. First of all, I just tried to show you very quickly you know why that's even a foolish position to hold. And why you're not o- actually open borders, if you live in a gated freaking community and lock your doors at night. And so, <laughs> so that doesn't even make any sense. It's the same thing as these politicians who are anti-gun that hired armed security all the time. It's like, talk, talk me through this. It's just an oxymoron a contradiction. It's these rules for thee and not for me so that you can feel like this is what people talk about with virtue signaling is like you actually you sacrifice nothing to actually, you know, contribute or, or stand for the policies that you you stand for. And this is why you can I just heard a great speech about it yesterday or a, a great I saw a great video of it yesterday. And if you've ever read uh, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, as I have, you would hear how much he detests white liberals. And this is why. And In this video, I just watched him talking about it yesterday in the speech. He talks about how, you know, he's like the white conservatives at least come at you as as a wolf. He's like, but what's even worse is the fox because the fox comes at you and you think that they're friendly. And then they end up taking and doing even more damage because you let them in. He's like, and that's what white liberals are. And that's so true in so many different uh, policies. And I'm not saying, again, as I always give the disclaimer, I'm not saying the Republican Party has it all figured out. I'm not saying that there's not horrific and terrible things done or said by pro-life politicians or politicians who at least claim to be pro-life, like a Donald Trump. But my question for you is, what does any of that have to do with stopping the murder of innocent babies? That's what this all comes back to. And the same arguments, you can say the same shit if you wanted to. Maybe, but What if Donald Trump was Abraham Lincoln? Would you have been anti-slavery? Would you have been softer or would you have been pro-slavery because because, because Abraham Lincoln was, was a womanizer and said some terrible things and all this? Like, would that have changed your position? I don't understand. I, don't, I cannot grasp that. And I think we have such a, a nearsighted view of these things where it's like, you know, if it gets overturned 60 years from now or 100 years from now and we end up having a civil war and we fight it and on the other side of it, we have a, a, an abortion-free country. Like think of your your ancestors. Looking back, I I have friends and family now. I'm not really family as much because we're from the north, but I have uh, friends and people who I know who have had uh, ancestors who fought on the Confederate side, and I'm like, man, I can't imagine finding that out, or finding out that you had you know ancestors who were in the Congress or. Um, where senators or, or politicians are or, or actively protested against equality and, and for segregation and for unequal rights for, for Black Americans. I can't imagine finding that out. That sounds terrible. But how many of our ancestors are going to look back and be like, wow, my, and this, this shit's documented everywhere. My, my great-grandmother, my grandmother was, uh, was ardently pro-choice and claimed to be Catholic. Like, How awful is that? So, man, what a, what a time we're ahead for. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I don't know if nervous is the right word. We know who wins in the end, right? Christ wins in the end. The church wins in the end. But I think we're in for some tough days ahead. I think that this many people are going to be uh, so ardently pro-choice for so long. They're going to be so active about it. They're going to be so violent. If this passes, um, is really devastating to me. I think it's extremely sad. Um and yeah, I think we're in for some tough times. It's going to be very divisive. But as I've heard Matt Walsh say before, and I've shared this with many people, if we if our country burns to the ground because of this, I'd rather I'd still vote for it to happen. Because I'd rather and and like like he always says, you know, even if it bank like the the argument they'll say, well you're not going to have as much money. We're going to have to put more money towards uh, community health issues and things like that. And it's like, let's do it. I'd rather live in a a second or third world country that that's going to become pro-life and acknowledge the dignity and respect of every human being and the sanctity of human life than live in a first world country that prospers off the murder of babies. And that should be, that's the pro-life position on a personal level. So why would it not be on a national level? But we're in for some tough days ahead. Luckily, this is the month of May. This is the month of Mary. Um, And so it's a great time for this to happen. Great time for us to dive deeper into the rosary. Full transparency, guys. I hadn't prayed the rosary since before the wedding um, until yesterday. uh, Late at night. After all this was kind of happening, I was kind of overwhelmed. I prayed the rosary at like 1130 at night. And so I want to encourage you to pray the rosary. Pick up your rosaries. and start to pray then, pray for the conversion of hearts and minds, especially of those Catholics, especially the Catholics of influence and leadership positions uh, politically and in the church. To understand the importance of all this. Because. It's, it's unreal that we've gotten to this point, we've gone from, you know, Joe Biden voting for a legislation that would overturn Roe v. Wade 40 years ago, um, Hillary Clinton going from safe, legal and rare to now, like I said, what they want is taxpayer-funded abortion for all nine months available everywhere on demand for any reason. That's some dark stuff. That's some dark stuff. You know, they used to do child sacrifices back in the day to pagan gods for all types of different desires, and now we do it for the sake of personal freedom, for convenience, for comfort, sometimes just out of celebration and mockery of human life. And it's dystopian, man. It's some dark, some dark things. I think this is going to be potentially something that's going to, uh, you know, really affect. I think the Republican Party was going to dominate this fall because of how awful this Biden administration has been, and how awful the Democrats dominate things have led to things. And this could be because people are so pro-choice. People are so malinformed on the issue of abortion, on whether or not it is a growing human life, whether it is a life at the beginning of conception um the the argument conversation has changed so much you know that people don't even understand the issue and so whose job is it to form them in that it's ours and we're called to call out our fellow catholics we're called to admonish the sinner i just watched a great video a reel of mother angelica talking about admonishing sinners it's one of the spiritual works of mercy mercy we have an obligation to do that oftentimes and so we need to evaluate that. We need to pray super hard, fast, um, and really offer up uh, our lives to be saints in this world, so that we can be the brave saints of Saint John Paul II, Mother Teresa, Saint Thomas More of our time. Um, be these apparitions of Joseph and Mary that that God's calling us to be here in our present day. Uh, and even though it's a sad, you know, sad time to see, it's an exciting time, but it's a sad time to see all the rejection of it, especially within the church. Um, Stay faithful, stay grounded. Nothing changes for us. We're still continuing to seek excellence. We're still continuing to strive for greatness in all areas of our lives, especially spiritual. And we only care about the other areas in our lives so long as they feed into the spiritual and help us to become saints. Um, And they have massive impacts in doing that. And so strive to be your best at everything that you can do. Pray for us, Um, pray for the church, pray for Pope Francis, pray for President Biden. Uh, for the conversions of hearts of many. Pray for the person whose um, story I read to you today. Uh, Yeah, and discern when you should speak up, when you should reach out and know that the answer is not never. The answer is certainly there's some time, there's some place where you're called to speak up about this issue. Nobody is called to be perfectly silent about this all the time. And so um, keep that in mind. Know of our prayers for you. Continue to fight hard. Be your best. God bless.